that you do that. Thank you that you hear that prayer. Thank you that in you, having believed in you, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that today, Lord, in the time that we have together, that you would be honored and glorified, that your name would be lifted high. I pray that if anyone has come in here this morning without hope, that they would leave with hope because they would meet you, because they would trust you, our living hope, Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain, the lion of Judah, risen from the dead, victorious over Satan, sin, and death. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. I probably will not see most of you before Friday, so Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. God is good. Hey, we are doing something a little bit different here this morning. Uh, I'm going to preach a sermon uh, eventually here, but for a few minutes here, we have some special guests with us. Are those special guests behind the curtain somewhere? You can open the curtain there. Special guests. I hope they're there. This is going to get, yeah, come on out. Hey, guys. Come on out. Yeah. Looking so nice. Christmassy. Yeah, wave. You guys say hi to all of them. Yeah, hi. Do you guys have a seat on the blanket? You want to sit down? The sound team told me I'm supposed to sit in this rocking chair, so I'm going to do it. Fireside chat here. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. <laughs> awesome. Guys, it is so great to have you here with us this morning. What holiday is coming up later this week? Christmas. Christmas. You guys excited about that? This Friday, that's right, it's Friday. Do you have like a, I used to make those little like paper chains. Did you guys make one of those and you tear one of the chains, like a countdown, some of you? Okay. Miles broke Audrey's chain. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Well, you know older brothers, you know how they are. Anyway, okay, hey guys, I just want to do, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to read the Christmas story, okay, out of Luke 2. I bet you guys have heard this before, okay, but it's not just a story. Like, you know when I say story, this isn't like a fairy tale, okay? Fairy tales aren't real. They're cool, they're fun to read, but f- there's a fairy tale book that's yours? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. So, so this is... It's like a fairy tale, but it's not a fairy tale because fairy tales aren't real. This is real, okay? So let me read this. Let me read this to you, and then I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions, okay? This is out of Luke chapter 2 from God's Word. It says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was 
was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for, they, for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Have you heard that story before? Yeah. Who, who is that story about? Jesus, yes. And what were his mommy and daddy's name? Joseph and Mary. Yes, very good. So guys, why did Jesus have to come? He was up in heaven, and I heard somebody... Yeah, Miles, yes, sir. You, to save us from our sins. But how was he going to do that? Dying on the cross. Yes. Weston, what were you going to say, buddy? Yeah. What, what did what say that again, bud? Yeah, you memorized some of those verses. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, Jesus came, and so he came as a little baby. He was God. He made you. He existed forever in heaven, in all of eternity past. It's really hard to understand, but he was he loved us so much that he was willing to become a little tiny baby. Do you guys remember when you were little tiny babies? Really little, you couldn't walk, couldn't even crawl. Your mom and daddy had to hold you. Jesus humbled himself that much. Yes, until you learned to crawl. And can you believe that even though Jesus is God, he humbled himself so much that he went through that process of learning to crawl too, even though he made everybody. Yes, Julian. Do you know Breck? Breck? I don't know Breck. No, I don't. Okay. Is he a friend? Uh, he's a friend. Oh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually ran when he was zero. He, he ran when he was zero? Okay. Well, that is, that is cool. I knew I was going to learn so much this morning. I knew it. This is always educational for me. So, so here's the deal, guys. But Jesus wasn't, he didn't just stay a little baby, right? And I heard, some, we said earlier, Miles, you said he came to save us, but how did he save us? Yes, TJ. By dying on the cross. Why did he have to die on the cross? Weston. Yes. Why, is it, why did we need saved from our sins? Abigail, do you know? 
so that we wouldn't die. That's true. Because every single one of us, guys, is sinners. And here's the thing that I want you to understand, is that Jesus showed such great humility and such great love that he was willing to become a little baby, but guys, he didn't stay a little baby, okay? He grew up, and he went to the cross, and he died on the cross for our sins. And without him doing that, without him doing that, we would have no hope, no hope at all. Here's another question. Did Jesus stay dead? Did he stay in the tomb? No, what happened? Yes, he rose from the dead. That's because the sacrifice that he made on the cross and dying for our sins, that the resurrection is proof that that is enough. And if you will just trust him, okay, if you just trust Jesus, uh, it's enough and he'll save each one of you. Yes, Jillian. Yes. Yes, all those who trust in Jesus, when you die, you don't really die. You go to heaven to be with Jesus. That's right. That's great. Okay, well, guys, listen. Do you got, well, let me ask you this. I, I, am, I feel like I should do this, but I'm scared, okay? Do you guys have any questions that you want to ask me? And if it's one I can't answer, your mommy and daddy will answer it for you, so... Do you guys have any questions that you want to ask me? Yes, Weston. What's that? Do I want to jump off a cliff that's 100 feet? No. No, because I'm going to wait for Jesus to take me home some other way. But uh, any, other, any other questions about the Christmas story? About Jesus? Anything like that? Yes, sweetie. How do cows eat? I don't know. I think, I, how many stomachs does a cow have? Four? Four stomachs. Uh, yeah, I, did you know that? I just remember that was the weirdest thing, girl. I did not understand how a cow had four stomachs. We have one stomach. We have one belly. Abigail, did you have a question? Who was cute? Yes, Jesus was cute. Yes, Jesus was a cute little baby. Yes, okay. Hey, guys, listen. Listen, I'm going to let you go here. Oh, do, do we have a... <laughs> okay, so here's the deal, guys. I, first of all, I want to thank you for coming down here this morning and worshiping with us, okay? And this is how we worship, through God's Word, okay? Just reading His Word and believing it. That's how we worship. And I want to thank you guys for being a part of Mercy Hill Church. Do you guys know that you're a part of the church? The church is not just for the big people. You guys are part of the church, too. And we're all one big family. And who made us a big family? Jesus, that's right. God did it, because God is our Father, right? He's the Father of all of us. Can I pray for you guys? And I'm going to let you go, okay? Let me pray. Father, thanks for these guys. Thank you that they are a part of our church. Thank you that you have made us a family. Thank you that Jesus is our perfect, sinless, awesome, eternal, older brother of each one of us. And we thank you uh, for all that you did, Jesus, in saving us. Lord, I just want to pray a blessing on these kids. Would you please, by the power of your spirit and the power of your word, let them know how much you love them. Please just let them know how much you love them. Speak to their hearts, God. Um, and thank you for the gift that they are uh, to us individually, to their parents, and to us as a church. And I pray that you would use each one of them for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, guys, you can go back up to your classroom. Thanks for being here. Can we give these guys a hand? Yeah.
<laughs> There's always going to be some good one-liners that come out of that come out of time with the kids. That was awesome. Okay. Hey, if you got your Bibles, grab them and go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. As you're turning there, I'm just going to start reading here so we can get going. I'm going to read all of chapter 12. It's 17, 17 verses. It says this, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished 1260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And now I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. And the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, times, and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from its mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Let me pray one more time. <clears throat> Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for your word. Father, I pray this morning that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Pray that your spirit would do a work in us to open the eyes of our heart, to see wonderful things from your word. You'd cause us to believe all that's in this book and all that it says is true about the victory that we have in you. Please just fill us with your spirit now, Lord, and bless our time together worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it's kind of like Christmas Sunday, and we're in the book of Revelation, again, right? Um, might seem kind of weird, but then again, it's 2020, right? If ever there was a year, <laughs> if ever there was a year to preach out of Revelation uh, on Christmas Sunday, this would be the year. But I'm not sure if you caught it or not, 
And I'm not just trying to stretch the truth here just to make this fit, but, you know, this is where we were in our Bible reading plan this past week. I believe we're in chapter 7 through 12. We've been reading through the entire New Testament, one chapter a day, five days a week, for the, uh, all of 2020. It's been great. There's been many times where the chapters that we've been reading that week have been very timely, uh, which is a special providence of God, uh, I believe, just to direct us to the portions of his word that um, have especially applicable promises to where we're at and what we might be going through. Uh, And I find that same thing to be true today of this chapter because, um, I don't know if you caught it or not, but this is another Christmas story. This is another version of the Christmas story. Matthew's got his version and primarily centers around Herod going after all the little babies and the wise men coming. Luke, you know, focuses more on the shepherds like we just read. Uh, Even the Gospel of John, I believe, has a Christmas story from more of a divine perspective that the Word became flesh and came down and dwelt among us. And here's another Christmas story. And the context of this Christmas story is the birth of Christ using apocalyptic imagery from the perspective of a divine war, of a divine conflict. Don't know if you caught that or not, but that's what just, just happened. Um, the book of Revelation, uh, as most of you know, if you've grown up in church and have read it or studied it or read about it or heard what different pastors and teachers and preachers have to say about it, um, is somewhat you know, debated on different things. All Orthodox Christians, all those who are true believers, believe in the main things is that Christ is coming back. There's going to be a day where he comes back uh, visibly. You're not going to be able to miss it. He's going to come back and he's going to redeem. Um, Just as one of the little kids said, even all those who have died in Christ, the moment that they die, they go to be in heaven with him, uh, but they do not yet have their new bodies and they're going to receive resurrection bodies on that day. So Paul says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Um, but we will all join him in the air, and then we will eventually accompany him back to the earth. Uh, but there's a lot of different views of kind of how things are going down in Revelation. One of the things that I just want to kind of um, suggest to you this morning, this is kind of the way that we'll, we'll come at this, is most people, and I say this um, because m- most people, and this is how I grew up as well too, read the, the book of Revelation like we're always supposed to be looking for certain times and seasons and, and to somehow figure out the date of when Jesus is going to come back. Um, I would argue pretty adamantly that that's not what the book of Revelation is for. Now, it may speak to some of that, and I think that it may be helpful um, in some ways for some of that, but Jesus said very clearly that we're not going to know the day or the hour, but we might know the season. But here's what I believe Revelation is. Revelation is a retelling of God's grand story throughout all of history from a bunch of different perspectives. And yes, it's going to culminate in an end time story where I think many of the things in this book are going to become kind of literally true. Um, But it's also telling us a story uh, from a different perspective, mainly from the perspective of heaven and what's really really happening there. And so um, Revelation is full of signs. It's full of images. Almost every line, not just every verse, but every line of the book of Revelation is rooted very firmly in Old Testament imagery and Old Testament pictures. And John, the author of Revelation, wants us to get that, and he wants us to go back and figure out those, figure out those signs. But then, that's the whole book of Revelation, but then especially here in chapter 12, if you look at the very first line of, of verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, and a great sign 
appeared in heaven. Now it's a book that's already filled with signs, but now here we're told very specifically that this is a sign. And there's three primary images here, okay, that I want us to interpret, that we need to interpret, um, if we're to understand uh, the good news of the story that God has for us here. So there's three main characters or kind of players um, in this story. Uh, this sign that we just that we just read about. We'll start with the kind of the easiest one to figure out, and we'll work our way to the hardest. But the first character, um, just in terms of trying to, he's not he doesn't appear first, but just in terms of trying to you know figure out who these guys are, is the dragon. The dragon. Look at verse three. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. This is terrifying. Should terrify us. A great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems or crowns. This dragon is evil. He's waiting to devour the next character in the story, the male child. It says, verse 4, that his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and he cast them to earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, she might devour it. Okay, And this, this dragon, we're told very clearly um, down in verse 9 who this dragon is. The dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan and is the deceiver of the whole world. So we're very clearly told who it is. And he's waiting to devour this male child. Verse 5, and she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now the male child is a little bit more difficult to understand. So the red dragon is Satan. The male child is Christ. Is Christ. He's caught up to God and to his throne, which is of course where Jesus went after he ascended back up into heaven. But let me read for you Psalm 2. Again, all of, all of Revelation is rooted very thoroughly in the Old Testament. Let me read Psalm 2 to you. It's a messianic prophecy about Christ. It says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. This is a decree that God has made. He says, the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. What you have here is God the Father speaking to the God the Son, and he's saying to the Son, I'm going to give you all of the earth. It is yours. It belongs to me, and I'm giving it to you as an inheritance. And then he goes on in verse 9 of Psalm 2, and he says, you shall break, break them with a rod of iron. Same thing that we see in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 12. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel, to all the enemies who stand against God's plan to give all of the earth and all of the universe to his son as his his inheritance. Christ will rule them with a rod of iron. So you've got the dragon, you've got this male child that is to be born, and then you've got this woman, (laughs) this woman. And this is where uh, commentators and people that uh, interpret this passage interpreted different ways. Um, usually the woman is interpreted to be one of three people, either Mary, the mother of Jesus, or the church as the bride of Christ, they say, or I'm going to argue that it is uh, the nation of Israel. 
that the nation of Israel here is personified as a woman who is giving birth to the male child who is Christ. And of course, Christ comes from, uh, comes from the lineage of the Jewish people. Okay, but if you look at verse chapter 12, verse 1, let me show you where I'm getting this from. And again, I know we're doing some work here, but hang with me. Um, chapter 12, verse 1, the sign appears in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and here it is, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. So she's clothed with the sun, the moon is under her feet, and on her head is a crown of 12 stars. Is that ringing any bells from the Old Testament at all? Do you remember somebody who had a dream where there was the sun and the moon, and there were 11 stars, not 12, but they were bowing down to him? Do you remember that? It's Joseph, okay? So in Genesis... um, Chapter 37 says, Joseph dreamed a dream, another dream, and he told it to his brothers, and he said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And here you have a woman now clothed with the sun, the moon, and the, the sun was, um, was Jacob, the moon was his wife Rachel, and then the eleven stars in Joseph's dream were his, were his brothers. Here there's twelve stars because Joseph then becomes the twelfth star, the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? Throughout the Old Testament, if you'll remember the patriarchs, the beginning of the story of Israel, you've got Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Each one of their wives was barren. Okay? They, were wom- they were women who wanted to give birth, but they couldn't until they supernaturally conceived okay? by God's power. And here um, you have this imagery of this woman now giving birth, the nation of Israel giving birth to this child that was ultimately going to come and to redeem uh, humanity. Um, in Isaiah chapter 26, again, this is speaking of the nation of Israel. Isaiah chapter 26 says, Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. Isaiah the prophet says. So again, the nation of Israel personified as giving birth. And this goes back Again, I just want to build out this storyline because, again, it's very quick here and you just see these images. But what he's doing is he's retelling, guys, this awesome story. It's an unbelievable story. That you and I this morning, even though, you know, we might be caught up in just kind of the sentiment of the holidays and the Christmas lights, and, you know, I mean, we've got the windmill decorated with lights, you know, and even the outhouse is decorated, <laughs> for crying out loud. But, like, we are part of a much bigger story, a big story that isn't even about us, a story that started long before the earth was even created. A story about an almighty God and this terrible, evil, wicked, red dragon who wants to destroy absolutely everything. And we were created, and God created us, and this ancient serpent, this red dragon, he came to earth to devour us. Because we were created, we were created in the image of God. And he wants to take us all down. And so, again, the big picture here, you've got the woman who's Israel, the male child who is Christ, the Messiah that was going to come and redeem all of mankind. And then you have this dragon who's the ancient serpent that's coming to get us. And you have four major plot lines. Well, five, like four and a half. I'll show you what I mean here. Major plots or tensions. Okay, if you think about this as a story, so let me point this out here very quickly so we get a grasp on this. Number one, the first tension is that you have this dragon waiting to devour the child. 
Okay? So look at verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, the one who is to rule the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And in verse 4, right before that, it said the dragon was waiting to devour, to devour this child. The dragon is waiting to devour, but God supernaturally snatches the child up to his throne. Again, I believe that's a reference to Christ's ascension after his death, burial, and resurrection. Secondly, then, you have the dragon fighting against Michael and his angels. It's another battle. Verses 7 and 8. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. So he can't snatch up the child, devour the child, and so he goes to war with these other angels, but he's defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And several times throughout the chapter, it talks about the great dragon being thrown down or cast down. The third tension then you have is over in verse 14, where the dragon then pursues the woman. It says, but the woman, or verse 13, it says, and when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two great wings of the eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for times, time, and half a time. And again here, uh, commentators disagree. Is this, is this a, because back in verse 6 it said that the woman was, you know, uh, um, hidden in the wilderness in a place prepared for her by God for 1260 days. Is this a different time or is this, this just a retelling of the same story? Over in verse 14, where now she flees into the wilderness, given these two great wings of the eagle. Again, more proof that I believe that the woman here represents Israel. Um, is that this is how God describes the salvation of Israel when he brings them out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 19, it says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And here in verse 14, we're told that this woman is given these great wings of the eagle that God, again, protected her from the great dragon. And then the fourth tension here is after that, you have the serpent um, trying to sweep the woman away with a great flood out of his mouth. And so, um, in verse uh, 15 and 16, it says, The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed that river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So you've got all these times where the dragon is trying to devour. He's trying to kill. He's trying to destroy. It's what he does. It's what he does. Um, but God, in his sovereignty, supernaturally intervenes. And then I said there's like four and a half tensions or plots here. And here's the, here's the, uh, the fourth and a half or the fifth one, I guess. But it's kind of a cliffhanger. Look at verse 17. So the dragon can't get the woman. Now verse 17. Then the dragon became furious. He was furious, furious before. But then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off <coughs> to make war on the rest of her offspring. And so now here's actually a fourth character or group of characters that we see and it's going to interpret it for us. Who are the rest of her offspring? It says, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. How many of you this morning are seeking to keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Buddy? The dragon is after you. The dragon is after us. Here's the, here's the hope. 
that this passage gives us. Again, if you read the rest of the book of Revelation, you'll see the dragon's plan and how he's going to give power to this, to this beast that rises out of the sea. And there's going to be this adulterous, sinful woman riding on the back of the beast. And he gives his power to them to try to deceive the nations with, with pleasure and with power uh, and with money and all these different things. But the big picture that I want to get for us today, and I think the point here in chapter 12, is even though the dragon is after us, if God protected the child, if he protected the woman, he's going to protect us. He's going to keep us. But the point that John's trying to make, and again, this would have been very applicable to John's readers back then, and it's still very applicable to us today, guys. It's the same story over and over and over. The question is, will we overcome Will we fight the way that God wants us to fight? Will we do battle as he calls us to do battle? And he tells us very clearly how we're to do that. Verses 10 and 11 of chapter 12, in fact, are, are extremely important. I think that if you, had, uh, if you ask the question, what are the most important verses in the book of Revelation, I think you can make a good case that Verses 10 and 11 of chapter 12 encapsulate uh, kind of the center of, or the big idea of the entire book. It says this, Now salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And then it says this, And they conquered him. This is how we win against the dragon. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. They conquered him. Remember last week in Revelation chapter 5, I talked about how that word conquered in the Greek is, is, is the word nikao. It's where the owner of Nike got the word Nike for the name of his company. It means victory or it means conquered or it means winning. How do we win? How do we conquer? How do we attain victory? Last week, said that, last week in chapter 5, it said that the lamb conquered Nikaod because he laid down his life. And here's the connection. We're to, we, we conquer in the same way. Is that we conquer the dragon through Christ as we trust in the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What does that mean, the word of their testimony? <laughs> What's the word of your testimony this morning? What is your life testifying to? If you were to die today or tomorrow and there was to be a funeral later this week and people would stand up at the funeral and they would talk about you or if you knew that that was coming and you would want to write your own uh, kind of obituary or eulogy, what would you say? What is your testimony? What's your testimony? What would people get from your life? What do you want people to get from your life? So many people are living in a way that their testimony is, well, I'm just, a, I'm just a good guy. I'm just a good lady. I'm a good old boy. I think there was a country song that said something about good old boys are a dime a dozen. Is that true? Does anybody know that? I don't listen to country. I think it's from the evil one, the, the red dragon. But anyway... But 
Good, that country song is true in that instance, though. Good old boys are a dime a dozen, folks. If the word of your testimony is, well, you know, I was just a good guy. You know, I went to church and I, you know, tried to be helpful, tried to help some people out. Now, I'm obviously not against helping people out. But is that the word of your testimony? Is that all of it? Just that you're a good old boy or a good old girl? You're involved in the community and you try to help out at the school. And again, I'm not against any of those things. That's great. You coach your kids' sports teams. You just try to be be a good person. Or is the word of your testimony that I am redeemed only by the blood of Christ? And you too need to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. Is that we have nowhere else to stand other than the blood of Christ. But guys, the point of chapter 12 here, again, uh, it really is a Christmas story told from the divine perspective in the context of a cosmic war. war. But, the, but what I love about this Christmas story is that like, Christ did not come to earth to just give us a sentimental story so that we could celebrate a sentimental and, and, and have a sentimental holiday. He came to step on the head of the dragon. That's what he came to do. He came to step on the head of the serpent. He's called, he's called the ancient serpent down in verse 9. That's also a reference back to the garden, right? Where he's not the dragon, he's the serpent. And he comes slithering in and he's speaking lies to Eve. Lies coming out of his mouth. Just like we see lies here in this passage. Uh, uh, trying to sweep the woman away in a flood. With his accusations, with his slander, with his hopelessness, with his deceit. He's called the deceiver of the entire world. And there is not a person on earth that can stand against the wrath of the devil apart from the blood of Christ. And that's why I want to urge you this morning is that like this Christmas season, man, I, I, I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the cookies. I like the food. I like the get-togethers. I like watching Elf. During the season, it's like all of December. What are we doing tonight? Nothing. We're watching Elf. That's what, I, that's what I like to do. Like, I get it. I'm not against, like, like, the trappings of it. Enjoy it. Enjoy time with your family. Do that. But don't stop there. Don't stop short of worshiping Jesus for who he is. That it's not just, like, a nice little sentimental story. That's what I, I wanted to try to get across to the kids. I didn't want to bring up the red dragon because I didn't want to freak them out. I feel like I didn't have time to do that, but, but like, it's not, he's not little baby Jesus in a manger anymore just to warm your heart and make you feel some sort of sentiment that makes you feel good. He's the risen Christ in the book of Revelation with eyes like flaming fire, face like the sun, shining in all its strength, and he alone can defeat the great red, seven-headed red dragon. <laughs> and if you think that you have hope apart from him, let me tell you something, you don't, folks. You don't. You might try to numb your hopelessness. You might try to numb the pain. You might try to numb the anxiety with the Christmas season. And I get it. I'm not knocking you for that, but I'm just out of love telling you it will leave you empty. Getting together with, with friends and family, as good as that is, and, and you know, watching Elf and uh, you know, eating Christmas cookies, whatever, that's, that's, that's great, but that's going to leave you empty. Is the word of your testimony that you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. 
Here's the deal is that in the end, it's not even just about saying it. It's about living it. Right? Because here's what he says. Look very closely. This is why the, the words matter. You, you, I'll do this from time to time. But the little word for, for, in verse 11. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I would argue that their testimony is the blood of the lamb, that he, he's the one that saved you. But how do you know that for sure? For, here's the proof. For they love not their lives even unto death. Is that it's one thing to leave here this morning and oh, the preacher told me that my testimony needs to be the blood of Jesus. It, you can go out and just say that, but that's not even what I'm talking about. I want you to say it because it's true. It's the good news. It's the gospel. But it's not just about saying it. It's about believing it. And it's about believing it even to the point of if that costs you your life. There's a song an old hymn, it's not a Christmas hymn. It'd be kind of cool if it was, but, you know, it is what it is. But I was thinking about this past week, going back to my, uh, my childhood, when we used to sing a lot more hymns than we do now in church. I believe it's, it, the name of the song, or the name of the hymn is called, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. You guys remember that. <clears throat> and there's a chorus, the refrain in that song is, I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Do you guys know that? You heard that? I'm tempted to sing it right now, but I'm not sure if I can. Should I go for it, Josh? Josh gave me the nod. Josh is like, sure, Eric, go make a fool of yourself. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You know that? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Megan. <laughs> but that's, that's her testimony, guys. And here's why it's such good news. Look at me. I, I don't care what you have done. I don't care what kind of havoc the seven-headed red dragon, the ancient serpent, has wreaked in your life. I don't care how much you have co-participated in believing the lies of this ancient serpent, this deceiver of the whole world. And I don't care because you've participated in that how much you are actually guilty in what you've done. If you believe in the blood of the Lamb, it is enough. Amen? It is enough. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for you. We don't need any other argument. We don't need any other plea. What he did is enough. As he came to stomp on the head of the dragon. I wonder if you might do this for me since we're getting kind of traditional here <laughs> this morning with, uh, I don't know, just reading the Christmas story. I mean, I was sitting in a rocking chair, for crying out loud. Um, and uh, having the kids down here, we're going to have a choir come up in a little bit. First ever Mercy Hill Choir. I told them this morning, I'm waiting for the day when we got the gospel choir up here every week. I'm telling you, that's, like, I, I, yeah, I'm serious. Let's go for it. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, 
But we got to grow a little bit so we actually have somebody to sing to when everybody's up here on stage. But, <clears throat> but I wonder if you might do this with me. I want to do just a congregational reading here. Dorothy, if we can get that, that first slide up there. And if you guys would, if you would stand with me. And then after we read this together, I'm going to pray and worship team and choir. Uh, you can come on up. And we'll close with a couple songs. I'm going to read the part that is not underlined. And then I want you all to join me in reading the part that is underlined. There's four, four stanzas here. And again, guys, I, to stand and just do this little exercise and to read these things together is one thing, and it's good, and it's how we worship. But please, ask God to help you believe it, okay? Because if you believe it, it changes everything. And it's why he came. It's ultimately what this season is all about. You join me on the underlined part. My faith has found a resting place not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God, salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save, for me, his precious blood he shed. For me, his life he gave. Hope! Let's try to sing it. Can we do it? Ready? I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. One more time, just because that was just for practice. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That is true. Believe that this morning. Father, thanks <coughs> for loving us. Thanks for this uh, Christmas story from a cosmic perspective. <coughs> 